This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Mine is Smithy, who remains at Cricket World Cup, providing brilliant commentary, as you would expect. And let's stay on the theme of the Cricket World Cup and catch up with a man who equally has provided brilliant commentary over the years. Outstanding South African cricket commentator, Mr Neil Manthorpe, one of the brightest cricketing minds I know, one of the best blokes in the game. Uh, Manners, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I know it's a really busy time for you as you whip around uh, India. I know you're doing it tough at times, not in five-star accommodation like the players. You are a man of the people, of course. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I certainly hope you're doing well. I'm very well, thanks, Dan. <laughs> you loving it? Soaking it all in? There's a lot to soak in. It has gone for quite a long time, or are you over it? I love India. Yeah, I mean, like I, I first toured here in uh, 1994, so it's been almost 30 years since my first trip, and the country's changed um, almost beyond recognition. Uh, it's certainly in terms of um, airports <laughs> um, and infrastructure and and that kind of thing. Ahmedabad is unrecognisable. It's uh, so yeah, it's 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 been terrific. And uh, as you say, I'm I'm um, I'm doing this tour. Uh, non-tourist class so yeah forty dollars a night uh, accommodation and it's been great you know it's been it's been really good not that I've um, been on very many five-star tours of India but it's uh it's been it's been tremendous and um everywhere you go as you would know um people are are now watching cricket on their phones rather than listening to it on their portable wirelesses <laughs> Now, I saw you on Twitter outline one of those visits to an airport alongside Sean Pollock, the former South African great. And I'd like to know, in that time you were with him at the airport, how many selfies did Sean have to take? <laughs> well, I wasn't kidding, actually. <laughs> I mean, I, I joked about his bowling average, his test bowling average of 22. And um, <laughs> after about three or four minutes, I said to him, you know, you're still averaging about 22. I've been counting. <laughs> it's like 22 selfies uh, a minute. I, it was, it, it, you know, it was... It was hilarious. Um, yeah, I, and it made it kind of reminded you why players do need to use the VIP lounges and be ushered through airports, and because it's it just logistically it's almost impossible. Um, and and you know there was Sean without a, a, a security guard and um, without the use of VIP lounges. He's commentating for TV, um, and he was uh, looking a little bit lost, to be honest. He's kind of looking for his gate, and I said, Sean, um, just sit down and have a coffee. And yeah, I mean, he was um, he was a very very popular guy, and it was was just swamped. I mean, it was a, it was actually impossible to have a conversation because it was being interrupted all the time. It really just shows the depth of love of the sport in India. Uh, are they preparing the streets for victory parades for what they no doubt think is an inevitable Indian victory at this Cricket World Cup? Yes, they are. And um, we're getting onto my favourite subject very early here because my biggest concern at the moment is safe passage for New Zealand back to New Zealand and out of this country unharmed. Because, uh, my goodness me, if Indians thought they were the spoil sports four years ago, what they are going to make of the Black Caps when they beat them again um, in this coming semi final, I, I just I don't know. I, you know, New Zealand, many people's uh, minds have kind of limped into the semi finals again, having. Um, having won five out of nine and and they're going to beat India at the Wankity Stadium in Mumbai. And, you know, India will be in absolute shock. Uh, and I, I mean, all New Zealand have to do is bat first, put 300 on the board. Trent Bolt's been short of power play wickets throughout the tournament, but he's bowling beautifully, I think. Uh, he's going to take three power play wickets, put that Indian batting lineup under pressure and um, shock horror 
and uh, disbelief will descend on the nation when uh, the Black Caps make another final. That is music to my ears. I just hope the fans deal with it a little bit better than when India lost to Sri Lanka in the semi-finals of the 1996 Cricket World Cup when they rioted and set the stadium on fire. <laughs> that was the Eden Gardens. The, the, the Kolkatan people are very different um, to the to, to the, um, the the generally the, the Wankity Stadium. It's it's interesting. Uh, um, reputations cling to stadiums and and the and the crowds within them. Um, the Chidambaram Stadium in Chennai is known to be the sort of um, the most knowledgeable and appreciative and generous um, crowd. Um, the the Wagadi Stadium is is raucous but well behaved, whereas Eden Gardens, as we saw all those years ago, can be can be very violent and and um, and confrontational. And it wasn't just the '96 semi-final. There were plenty of incidents before that. Test matches have been stopped. Um, uh, crowd, the, yeah, the the crowd's been almost febrile at times. Uh, so I'm very glad that uh, the that South Africa and Australia will be playing at Eden Gardens because mostly the crowd won't mind who wins that one. But I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not just being tongue in cheek here about the Black Caps' chances. I mean, it's a it's a free hit for them, and um, and I in that scenario that they bat first. That the uh, uh, that the remarkable form continues of Rachin Ravindra. I mean, it doesn't matter actually. Yes, he scored three hundreds, and the focus and the spotlight is on him. But um, the Black Caps have been finding runs from everywhere. Daryl Mitchell continues his remarkable form. Latham's due runs. Um, I guess Williamson will be back. They'll find a way. They bat first. I'll be astonished if they even against a brilliant Indian bowling attack, I'd be astonished if they don't put 300 on the board. And I think that really does genuinely make them very dangerous. I certainly see it that way as well, because New Zealand is more than capable of going big with the bat. Hey, Devin Conway is due, for example, hasn't had a big score since the opening game against England. If he can do that and the others carry on the way they've been going, uh, it bodes well for New Zealand and they could go very, very big. And then it might nibble around under lights, and then, well, who knows. But even the most fervent of New Zealand fan has to admit this Indian side is quite special because there does not look to be like there are any chinks in the armour. Yeah, exactly. Um, the only potential chink, and I suppose it applies to everybody, really, but, um, you know, they've got either Mohammed Shami or Kuldeep Yadav batting at number eight. You know that that's a long tail. It it really is, and and four down early. I mean, so I'm talking two or three power play wickets, and and if and if India are four down with a hundred on the board, then um, I, I I'm not so sure that they will be able to find a way to to chase three hundred if if they are chasing three hundred. Um, that that's the only chink in the armor, and and also for for those who are either superstitious or with a statistical bent. Um, They've won nine in a row, and not very many teams do win ten in a row in this format. Um, so that in itself is cause for some nervousness amongst Indian supporters, and and I would be nervous as well. I mean, they they are they they are a magnificent team. Uh, the bowling attacks one of the best ODI attacks that uh, you'll see. Two quality wicket taking spinners, um, three amazing fast bowlers. So uh, it's it's a it's a narrow gap, isn't it? But there mm. is a gap there, um, and, and I think that the 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 Black Caps 
could just wriggle through it. Neil Manthorpe is with us out of India. We are talking Cricket World Cup here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Let's talk about the second semi-final, one close to your heart featuring your South Africa. And the Proteas have such a dynamic batting lineup. I'm loath to get into a debate around the most talented South African team ever to appear at a Cricket World Cup, but this batting lineup does look quite extraordinary. And the power, it's the power that makes them such a dangerous lineup. Yeah, batting first. Um, again, you know, it's a limitation that is a reality. Um, they like to say that, you know, we're not too bad batting second either, but then they're nothing like uh, the team that they are batting first. You know, four scores of 350 plus in this tournament so far. And, and the Black Caps felt the brunt of that as well when they put 357 on the board, won by 190 runs. Um, but it all means nothing. I mean, the format of the tournament's really interesting anyway, isn't it? We, it feels like we've been here for months. Actually, we have been here for months. Uh, <laughs> you play, play all these group games um, and then it just comes down to winning two, uh, two knockout matches. South Africa's record in knockouts um, is there for all to see. They've they've been in six, two quarterfinals, four semifinals, and they've won one, won one out of six. Um, so it's not good. It's not a, it's not a great record. But again... I, I mean, I think that New Zealand have to bat first against India because um, they want to be bowling under lights. Uh, South Africa need to bat first because they're no good at batting second, really. Um, and you know what? I tell you what is interesting, though. I mean, there's all these mind games going on. South Africa are saying, look, we're just getting on with it. We're, you know, it's a great occasion. We're going to celebrate the occasion. They're saying all the right things. I'm not so sure that they're completely convincing. Uh, but what is interesting is um talking about the fragility of south africa batting second australia were 93 for 7 everybody talks about glenn maxwell's magnificent <laughs> extraordinary 100 um but they were 93 for 7 against afghanistan and they've had their own wobbles um they the momentum is is certainly with them but you know if they'd be bowled out for 120 against afghanistan it would be an entirely completely different narrative um, and that that innings from Maxwell was a moon landing event, uh, um, and uh, so I think that there there is a little bit of um, vulnerability, perhaps. And the other thing is, people talk about South Africa's top six, and it is very very powerful unit, and they put some really big numbers on the board, um, and they're extremely exciting. Heinrich Klaassen's a great player of spin, one of the best in the world at the moment. They've got Quinton de Kock scored four hundreds. So they, that's where the focus is lying at the moment. But um, they've got two bowlers in the top five in the tournament in terms of wicket takers. Um, Marco Janssen has taken more power play wickets than anyone else. Um, the big six foot eight inch left arm fast bowler. He's taken 12 power play wickets. And Gerald Kutsia, uh, the baby of the squad, he's only just turned 23. He's taken 16 wickets. Um, and, that, and South Africa have taken 21 wickets in total in the power play three more than uh, the, the next best team. So that it's it's interesting that uh, the batsmen are, are, are hogging all the headlines uh, and creating all the talking points. But actually, the bowling's been surprisingly strong as well, with Keshav Maharaj, uh, the most economical spinner in the tournament. He has been excellent, no doubt about that. And you could imagine more to come from Kagiso Rabada. He's been good at this tournament, don't get me wrong, but on his day, he is an Utter match winner. Uh, dead right. Yes, absolutely right. And 
it was it was controversial. Um, well, at least it was a hotly debated talking point that when they decided uh, not to use him with the new ball, not to use him in the power play, um, they're using Lungi and Gidi and, and Janssen to bowl in the power play. And when it when uh, you know that's a sort of high risk, high reward strategy. Um, the high risk being what can happen. Uh, like against India when the first five overs went for 61. Um, so so they, their, their thinking is that Rabada is the leader of the attack um, and he can fulfil a dual role by coming on first change. Either maintain pressure if Janssen has taken early wickets and increase the pressure or pull it back if they've had a, uh, a, a profligate time with the, the new balls. Uh, so... That's why they're using him in that role. But I don't know whether that might be a, a good idea to reassess that and perhaps use Janssen and Rabada with the new ball against Australia. Escaping your own history cannot be easy, Manners. Now, I laboured this point during the Rugby World Cup uh, ahead of the quarterfinal between the All Blacks and Ireland, and that uh, Ireland needed to not only overcome the All Blacks of 2023, but all those failed quarterfinal attempts of World Cup's past Luckily, the Rugby World Cup finished at the quarterfinal stage, right, Manners? Um, but as far as the Proteas are concerned, is it a very real obstacle that they have to overcome, i.e. the past? Absolutely, profoundly, yes. And i tell you, one of the most interesting press conferences from a South African point of view um, was a couple of weeks ago when Rassi Fanadassan, who's extremely eloquent um, and a deeply a deep thinker about cricket and and life it was he said he started off by saying we are all aware of south africa's record <clears throat> world cup record and record in in knockout games but that wasn't us that's not us as a team we um weren't the ones to have had problems this is a different team so that's how it began and it, it continued with him saying i remember exactly where i was in 1999 <laughs> I was I was 11 years old. I'd just finished um, history lesson at school and I, I watched the game and it had this deep, profound effect on me. <laughs> and, then he said, and I remember exactly where I was in 2011 when we lost the quarterfinal to New Zealand in Dakar. I, I, I was I was a teenager. I was doing this. I was there. And, you know, that. So when people talk facetiously about um, inheriting a sort of a, a, a cross-generational um, tendency to choke. You know, it's a, it's a complete nonsense. Of course it is. But you, you don't have to scratch the surface very much to realise that there is a, a truth in in the fact that guys like Fanadassan, who who might be in his 30s, and he's, a, you know, it's only his second World Cup and South Africa's campaign four years ago was was hopeless. And yes, the players don't have personal experience of choking in the big moments, but they've all grown up watching previous teams <laughs> come unstuck and trip at the, you know, the penultimate hurdle. And and so, of course, it has an effect. Absolutely. I've no doubt about that whatsoever um, because I've been watching it for 26 years, 28 years. Manners, what a treat having you on the show. Um and pumping up our tyres a little bit, giving us a little bit of hope that we can cause a huge upset against India in the first of the semi-finals. And you do know 
for the second semi-final. Under the rule ABA, anyone but Australia, you've got five plus million New Zealanders rooting South Africa on to what would be their first World Cup finals appearance. I certainly hope that is the case, that you could to see your boys in the showpiece event. I don't want you to have to wait another 26 years for South Africa to get through to a final. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Dan. I'm looking forward to being in the Narendra Modi Stadium, which is gearing up to seat 130,000 or whatever it is to watch India win. Um, and I'd just like to, I'm so intrigued to see how many will turn up for a New Zealand-South Africa final. I think there might be more security guards than crowd. <laughs> 